Great to see you guys this morning. Thanks for having me up. Thanks for having Scott and myself up. My name is Mike Van Auken, and um, I get to be part of the ministry staff in the Boston Church of Christ. Uh, Scott and I, uh, we lead a region uh, called the Metro Region of about 240 members. Uh, the Boston Church itself is, I don't know, 2200 or something like that. Uh, but we're so grateful uh, to be up here in Vermont today. We really, really are. We love Vermont. We love coming up. Uh, we have the opportunity to sort of mentor, disciple. Mike and Kristen, we spend about an hour and a half or so on the phone, uh, three weeks out of every four, uh, and uh, just I love the relationship I've been able to build with Mike over the last couple of years. Uh, it's been a great blessing to me. Uh, you guys have been great. Uh, you guys are doing great. I brag about the Burlington Vermont Church all the time. Uh, you guys have barely been doing really, really well. Mike and Kristen have been doing well. And, um, and you're going to be meeting. We've gotten to know some of you. We've gotten to know David. Now, David, I guess, went down to himself with the kids today. Uh, but we've gotten to know David better and better over the last few months because he's now going steady with uh, one of our uh, interns, our campus intern in Metro, uh, Olivia. And so if you don't see David on a Sunday, probably I am seeing David on a Sunday, you know. But... Uh, but you're also going to be getting one of our best very, very soon. Uh, one of our teens is graduating, and she's come up before, uh, to visit with you guys before, and she is only applying to schools in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, and so, uh, yes, and she's getting in. So in the next two months, you'll meet Allie, Allie Oanessian. We call her Allie O. Uh, but she's phenomenal, uh, really just I was really so energetic. She, her, her dad is Lebanese. Her mom is Brazilian. I mean, just kind of all this passion stuff going on. Inside. It's just crazy. But, uh, but she's a great, great girl. You're going to, uh, you're going to enjoy, uh, getting to know Allie and, uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll meet Chris and Fernanda a few times once she's up here. She's, she's phenomenal. Um, but, uh, but anyhow, one of the other things that, uh, I get to do in the Boston church is I get to teach at, uh, at what we call NESM. It stands for New England School of Missions. And the NESM, or the New England School of Missions, uh, what it, its mission is to train young ministry staff. And so uh, the, uh, we, there are about two dozen uh, ministry staff people from all around New England, uh, Boston and New England, that are in NESM at any one time. It's a seven-semester program. Uh, it's a, so it takes three and a half years to complete, fall semester and spring semester. And, uh, and there are three tracks. When someone comes into NESM, they meet uh, for 12 different sessions uh, of three classes, three classes each, 12 sessions per class. Uh, to get through uh, one semester of NESM. Okay, and you do it seven times. And there's one section of the, uh, one track is called public presence. And that's public speaking and event management and event planning and things like that. And another is we call daily ministry. And it's helping people uh, with discipling relationships and studying the Bible and some of those kinds of things. Uh, myself, I teach in the track called Academic Foundation. And so there's a, the Old Testament interpretation, New Testament interpretation, apologetics, church history, uh, all kinds of like, woo, kind of exciting stuff, okay? <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, and, it's, it's, and there are not many graduates, not many people make it all the way through three and a half years uh, and do exceptionally well. But two people that uh, have done exceptionally well made it are Mike and Kristen Balzer, all right? Amen. So... So Mike and Kristen, when we had our graduation ceremony for Mike and uh, for Mike and Kristen and their class, uh, they, that was actually a year ago, and they were uh, right at the very end of the pregnancy uh, with James, uh, and so they didn't get to uh, receive their award, and so I have that now. So Kristen Balzer, would you come on up? 
And when you graduate Nesim, you get a crystal globe. And uh, it's, a be- it's really, really beautiful. I'll give you the rest of the box, too. But uh, it's a globe of the world because admission is the focus of New England School of Missions. And uh, Christian basically was valedictorian of the class. I'm here to report. I mean, make no mistake. We didn't keep track of the grades, but nobody doubted. I'm here to tell you. But uh, Christian, congratulations. You bet. Mike Walser, come on up, man. Mike made it. You know, you have some folks who make a... I made it. Magna cum laude, summa cum laude, and then you got thank of the laude, you know? But, uh, but uh, Mike, Mike threw his heart. Mike did great. Everybody who gets to know, you don't get to Nesson without doing great. Mike did great. And not only that, uh, usually you graduate Nesson and then you're kind of into a bigger campus ministry. Mike, while still in Nesson, began leading a church. And is doing a great job of it right up here in Burlington. Mike, congratulations. Amen. Amen. So, uh, so amen. And uh, just from a personal, this is this is my my beautiful wife Scarlett. You'll get to hear from her in a moment. But stand on up, Dave, and let everybody say hi. There you go, Scarlett. We've been married for uh, for 25 years. Uh, back in August, we clicked over 25 years, our uh, 25th anniversary. Uh, we have two sons. Uh, they're 22 and 19. They're both disciples and in the Boston campus ministry. The older one will graduate in just a couple months in May. Uh, he's uh, he's been really he hasn't found his job yet, but he's, I'm really proud of him. He's really working hard at it, been really diligent about it. Uh, he's been dating the same girl for almost two years now, so he's getting a vision for how his life may unfold, and which probably has something to do with why he's working hard at finding a job. But nonetheless, he's going for it, and that's great. That's Ryan. And then our second son, Daniel, is a freshman in college in downtown Boston, and, um, and he's, he's doing well as well. It's, uh, it's been exciting. It's, I, I love being an empty nester, though. I'm here to report. I don't know how many you guys are or might become empty, but I love being an empty nester. Um, it probably helps that my kids are close, but uh, physically close by. But I love being an empty nester. So, uh, so anyways, we're going to talk a little bit about today. Our title is, Jesus is Amazing. All right? Jesus is Amazing. And, uh, and I, think, I, think this, any, I think this no matter what. But, uh, but when, uh, we're going to get to the Matthew chapter 7, which is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is uh, probably, I mean, it's on any, if you ever buy yourself or read through or get a, a book of great speeches of the world, you'll find, you know, the Gettysburg Address and all that, you know, Lincoln's or Washington's inaugural address and all those things. But you will always find the Sermon on the Mount. It is clearly the, best, the greatest sermon ever preached, and it is always on the list of greatest speeches ever. And it covers Matthew chapters 5 through 7. We're not going to read all of it. But at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, is an area, a section called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes is all about happiness, how to be happy. We all want to be happy. Everybody is like, man, how do I be happy? And the tricky thing about people is that we tend to pursue happiness. But what God is all about, God always thinks differently than we do. There is nothing about how I think naturally that is how God thinks. It's just completely different. 
And what God says in the Sermon on the Mount and about happiness is, you don't search for happiness. Happiness finds you when you live really a self-sacrificial life. When you are blessed, happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, these are folks that end up happy. And it always just says, wow, how about that? But the secret to happiness has something to do with something other than pursuing happiness itself. And then he goes on and he talks about legalism versus heart. And this is a long section in the Sermon on the Mount that always that says things like, the, the formula tends to be, you've heard it said that, but I tell you that. So, for example, he says, you've heard it said that, you know, don't commit adultery. But I tell you that if you lust after a woman in your heart, You've already committed adultery in your heart. He goes for the heart. He's not just worried about your action. He says, you've heard it said that. You know, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. And in the Old Testament, that passage is a restraining passage. And so what it's saying is, if somebody pokes out your eye, only poke out one of theirs. Okay? It's not saying... <laughs> it's, not, it's a restraining passage. It's, not, it's just saying, don't go to both their eyes, just one. Okay? But what he says is, even more restraining. And he said, don't take out one of their eyes, turn the other cheek also. Jesus is going for the heart through that entire section. And then he talks about, where's your treasure? What do you worry about? What do you focus on? How do you use your money? He talks about that. Where's where's your treasure really? Are you living a kingdom lifestyle? A lifestyle the way I do is what he talks about for a little while. Then he talks about judgment in there. He talks about God. He talks about God as being a great, great dad. And he talks about there being a narrow pathway to God. And then he comes to the section that we're going to read now, which is we're going to pick up in uh, verse 21 of chapter 7 and read to the end. And here we go. It says this. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out many demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let's say a prayer. God, we're grateful. We're grateful for so many things this morning. But right this minute, God, I feel so grateful for your word. I'm so grateful for the impact it's had on my life. I'm so grateful for the impact I've seen it have on the lives of so many. I'm so grateful for how it helped me, caused me to gain faith in you and decide to become a Christian. For the way that it's helped me uh, build my marriage and raise my children uh, and uh, help other people gain faith in you as well. Father, we want to learn today. We want to, we want to grow. Uh, we want to consider, look at your word and we want to listen to it uh, as something of authority, God. We want to walk away uh, more, uh, more determined than ever uh, to live according to it and to see the results uh, in our lives as a, resu- as a result of that. Help us to see Jesus clearly today. We pray in his name. Amen.
Amen. So we've got three points. Jesus has is amazing. And our first thought is Jesus has amazing perspective. Okay. This amazing perspective. And that's the first section there. Verses 21 to 23. He says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And many men will say, hey, I, I, I perform miracles. I, I, I cast out demons. And what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, oh, no, you didn't. He doesn't say that. They might have done that. They must have done it. These are religious people that are coming up to Him on Judgment Day and they've got something going on. They've done some stuff that is good and right. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't do God's will. Somehow or another, there's something about being religious. And let's just say that if you're willing to show up at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and have church in a hotel room, you are religious. Okay? I think we can qualify ourselves right here. But there's something about religious... That isn't exactly, or at least not entirely, what God is looking for from us. There's more to it than that. Here's one passage that gives us an idea. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray always, continually, in all circumstances. There's something about living a life that pleases God that is not limited to Sunday mornings. There's something about living a life that pleases God that becomes lifestyle. It's always, it's continual, it's in all circumstances. It's not just now at this hour of the day. The, uh, I've, I often say as I share my faith and talk to people about, trying to, about the Bible. I say, the Bible is so practical. It makes so much sense. It works in your life. I say, if it only works on Sundays, then it really doesn't work at all. If you can't put the Bible, and if you're not putting the Bible into practice on every day that ends in Y, then you're missing out on what the Bible is all about. uh, When we're talking about it, what I think about is just the way life goes in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I put it on the screen, but the passage is too long. But this is, it's just life, right? That's what the Bible's talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about, when it, or God is talking about, when He says, continually, always, in all circumstances, this is my life. This is how, how I go day to day. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, talking about the church as the body, and having an extended metaphor on that, it says, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. 
and the parts that aren't presentable are treated with special modesty. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but it is parts that have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We'll stop there. The body. What, how many days a week do I go around without my little finger? That'll be zero right there, okay? How many days a week without my foot? That'll be zero. There's something about being in the body that is meant to be connected and meant to be connected all the time. Are you with me right there? There's something about God's plan for our lives that includes concludes community. The, God, the Word of God from the earliest days, from the days of the people of Israel, from the days that, that Abraham was just simply leading his family for the first time into the Promised Land, God's Word was meant to be lived out in community. Our relationship with God is always very, very personal. But it's never, ever private. It's never just me and God, and then I show up, and then it's me and God. There's always going to be you and God. But it's going to be you and God and the brother and sister sitting next to you as well. It's you and God and the church as a whole as well. That's how God has arranged us to be. You can't make it. My finger can't make it without being attached to the rest of my body. Even for a week, if I say, oh, well, I'll just sever off my finger for six days, it'll be okay. No, it won't. It won't be okay. Now, the body will come along. I mean, the rest of me will be all right, but not as good. We need to be connected to one another. The, uh, it's always, God is not looking for people to sit in the pews. God is looking for people to build community, to build family, to build His church. That's what God is looking for. I know that, uh, I'm not sure how recently you guys did Financial Peace, but I know that some of you guys have done Financial Peace University. Uh, my impression is some of you guys are doing Dynamic Marriage right now. I've done both those. Both those have helped me tremendously, really helped me a lot. And they helped me a lot because I, you know, I got out of debt and I'm fired up about that and my wife got to talk and I got to talk about things we wouldn't otherwise talk about and that was hard sometimes for sure, but, but it was really, really good. But, uh, but what was so great about those classes? Part of what was great was I changed and, and I grew and as a person and as a marriage and that was excellent. But part of what was so great about those classes is that I, that I saw the power of it happening when we were all together. Yeah. Right? When the D groups were happening in financial peace, when uh, I forget what it was, we got to share for two minutes of, in front of, uh, each in front of each other at dynamic marriage. When, when we're all together, that's when we see the body working together. Amen. That doesn't come real naturally to me all the time, to be real honest with you. I've, I've spent a lot of time not, you know, I'm going to share a story later, but I've spent a lot of time not worrying too much about how I connect with other people. Um, I, I'm, you know, when my nickname used to be Spock, okay? I mean, just to give you a little bit of a hint right there. But, uh, but it makes all the difference in the world when you decide to do that. We had, and, and it's a battle. It's hard. You know, we had a woman uh, just a week ago yesterday uh, who, uh, we got to have some, she has uh, some, some, just some physical challenges, physical disabilities. Uh, and so she hasn't, doesn't typically get out to the small group, but her small group was meeting last Saturday. She got there maybe for the first time, sure, surely for the first time in months or years. And the people that were there, I talked to one of the sisters who was there, said that this, the sister who came for the first time had so much to say, was such a huge help 
to several of the other sisters in the group as they talked about their marriages and as they talked about their kids. And it just it showed once again, man, the body, even the parts of the body that we thought, boy, that's a weaker part right there, has so much to give and is needed so badly. Jesus has an amazing perspective. It's different from yours and mine. Jesus has amazing priorities. There you go. I keep looking back. I'm not used to this one, but it's, it seems to work like all the other clickers I've ever handled. It, it moves the, so I think I'll be able to, to keep it together now. Jesus has some amazing priorities. It says that he taught as someone who had authority. I mean, and I don't know how you react to the word authority. I don't cuddle up to it personally, okay? There's something about authority. You go, oh, really? Oh, mercy. Well, what is it that made him speak as one who had authority? It's because his stuff was simple. What Jesus had to say was really, really straightforward, simple. It was very, very practical. How to be happy. That's practical. What he said was very simple. It wasn't always very easy for sure. But it was simple. It was practical. It was applicable. And he actually expected you to obey it. That's the thing about Jesus. He always, always expects people to obey Him. That's what He's looking for. Jesus' priority ultimately is that He becomes the priority in our lives. And that we build our, our lives on Him as the foundation. He's all there is for a strong, worthy foundation. There's a lot you can build your life on. You can, you can build your life on your career. You can build your life on your school. You can build your life on, uh, on your friendships. You can build your life on, uh, on, on seeking pleasure. There's, there are a lot of things you can build your life on. But if you want to build your life on something that can weather the storms of life, right. and those come whether you're Christian or not, those show up just because you can fog up a mirror, you're going to get storms of life, right? <laughs> then, you, then Jesus is the only foundation that's going to work. First Corinthians chapter 3 is uh, actually I, I have that one. Right? First Corinthians chapter three says this. It says, "By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. The foundation, the beginning of our obedience. You know, I um, obedience is a funny thing, but I, I babysat back in November." I'm mid- mid-November, November 15th, whatever that was, mid-November, I babysat for little kids for the first time in a long, long time. I babysat for May and Thomas Kennedy. Here are the, here's the Kennedy family. May is the little girl, five-year-old girl who's standing there, and Thomas is the little boy showing you his best side. The, um, but May and Thomas were five and two at the time. They may have each had a birthday since then. But, in, but on a Wednesday in November... It, we had a midweek service, and it was a women's midweek, and so, uh, so the mom needed to get to midweek, and they had a little baby at the time, and so she, she was going, wanted to go to midweek, and Dad, we had a guy studying the Bible, and, I, and Dad wanted to be in, in the Bible study. And so I said, I'll babysit the kids. How hard can that be? I'm a dad. You know, I got this. And so Mom went to midweek, and Dad was going to Bible study. So I, so I showed up at uh, 7 o'clock or 7.15 at their house. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to 5 and 2. They'll be in bed pretty soon. So I'm carrying my computer bag and everything like that. And I showed up and, and Mom said, looked at me and she said, the kids took late naps today. 
Now, I don't know if any of you back in the day ever watched um, uh, Lost in Space, or maybe watched Lost in Space episode or two on like the oldies cable channel, but I suddenly had, you know, red lights flashing and you know, alarms sounding, and I had this picture of the robot in Lost in Space going, Danger, Will Robinson, Danger, Will Robinson. And, and so, so I, all right, I just put my computer down and said, I'm not going to be touching that again for a long, long time. And, uh, and uh, mom left, and so May and Thomas and I, we start off for watching Snow White on the on video. And I go, oh, this isn't so hard. This is going pretty well. All right, amen. I'm feeling it. Okay, I got this. And then they said, Mr. Mike, Mr. Mike, we want to play hot, cold, warm. I said, well, that sounds easy, but I don't know what that means. What's hot, cold, warm? And hot, cold, warm is where you hide something, and they're looking for it, and you're saying, you know, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're getting colder, you're getting colder, right? We all know the game. And, uh, and, they, say, and they told me everything about it. And when we get really warm, you say, you're burning up, you're burning up! And if we get too far away, you say, ooh, you're turning into an ice cube. Can you do that, Mr. Mike? And, oh, I can do that. All right, fair enough. And so we have hot, cold, warm going on all over the house, and then, all the, then they go to the like, graduate level, and they go, we each need something. You've got to hide two things now. And so now, now I'm like, okay, you're over here, a little over there. and Oh, you're hot. You're cold. Oh, you're melting, making her melt. And, you know, whatever. This is going crazy. And one thing about kids, once they are enjoying themselves, they don't stop. They are going to do that for a long, long time. And then they said, they go, but then they finally got tired and said, Mr. Mike, we want to do arts and crafts. Uh-oh, is exactly my response. Uh-oh. I said, I can throw a ball. I can kick a ball. I can read a book. Arts and crafts are not in Mr. Mike's wheelhouse, okay? And so they took me to the closet and they said, it's up there. And up on the top shelf of the closet was the arts and crafts box. And so, sure enough, so I got the arts and crafts box. And Mom was smart. Right on top of the box, there's a little mat to protect the floor. So, amen. So we got that. I said, so what, what are we doing for arts and crafts? And they said, we want to decorate a box. I said, well, I don't know, how, where's a box? And, oh, we know. So they went and they found some Amazon box in the recycling bin, right? They pulled it out and they start, they start doing stamping on the box, you know, little rubber stamps and, you know, whatever, all these shapes and things. And uh, it's so, all, okay, man. So we're all stamping away. Go, okay, I got it, I got it. Oops. I forgot to tell the two year old, we're only stamping the box, not our own hands and feet, okay? <laughs> So off to the bathroom. That, that worked out okay. Amen. I washed them off. We're, going, we're stamping. We're stamping. I forget exactly what they had. They had a star and a giraffe. Say, so they said, oh, I have a star. And Thomas, I have a giraffe. And I said, oh, I have a hot air balloon. And they looked at me and goes, Mr. Mike, that's a ladybug. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> Fair enough. So from there, it's snack time, right? And we're cheese and crackers. I knew where the cheese and crackers were. Uh, only the thing is, they want to go, how many layers can we get? You know, can I get, you know, five, 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 you know, like ten layers of cheese and crackers, five each. How, how big a mess and how big a mouth, how big can my mouth get? And they're doing that. And, and then finally they said, oh, we want to watch a movie. Can we watch Ratatouille? And I said, oh, praise God, yes. <laughs> Let's all sit on the couch and watch Ratatouille. <laughs> and so we did. But over the course of that time, there were two opportunities for me to pull out my dad voice. And a dad voice, I haven't used the dad voice in a little while, but the dad voice... Yeah. Everybody's got a dad voice. And a dad voice, it's not, not a yell, it's no, it's no anger going on, but for me, you, you drop an octave, and there's just a little bit of a change in the cadence... And no matter, I mean, little boy, little kids who I've never met before, when I do the dad voice, their eyes get a little bit, you know, something's coming. 
And so I have a two-year-old boy. I'm promising you, I use the dad voice, right? And so one time, Thomas, I guess they had a wading pool outside with a little water in it or something. This is mid-November at night. And he said, I'm going to go out into the water. And he started heading for the door. And I'm thinking, jailbreak! <laughs> and I was like, Thomas? And he... And he turned around, he was, well, these are great kids. And he came back, and he was all right. And then another time when we were wanting to go from, uh, from stamping and, and decorating the box to the snacks, he was just like all about walking out of there. And I said, Thomas, we need to pick up now. And so we picked up. And so I had to use a dad voice because I wanted to save his life from going out in the water in the middle of November. And to build his character because I know that ultimately he'll be a better person if he's someone who picks up after himself. And when God gives us commands, and when Jesus says my priority is that you make me the priority, basically it's the same thing. He's just trying to save your life and build your character. That's what he's all about. is to get us there so that we can get through life And we can come out of life and still be alive. And we can go through life with a character that's godly and that makes a difference. And we've seen some incredible things happen in uh, the metro region as people respond uh, to the call of Jesus. And Scott's going to come on up and share a couple of those stories with you right now. Amen. Well, it is really great to be with you today, and it's great to see some old friends and to meet many new friends. We love coming to Vermont. You live in a beautiful place. Right, yes. um, I just I love coming here and looking at the lake. Um, it's just a really beautiful place. And just to let you know, Mike is really good with kids. So don't be if you, you know, he is he is like yeah they survive. But no, but he is phenomenal with kids. He really is. Um, But it really is encouraging just to see what God has done in the last year. And I want to share just about two stories. Um, We have a sister in our um, region, our church, who's been a Christian for 35 years. And um, I know that some of you weren't even born. Many of you in this room are younger than that, a lot younger. But she's been a Christian for 35 years, and when she became a new Christian, when she early on in her Christianity, she invited her parents to come to church, and they came, and I think they studied a little bit, but they really weren't that interested. And so they stopped studying, and she's continued faithful. She's an awesome woman of God. And um, she, this past year, her father, her mom has passed away, but her dad is 92 years old. And he, this year, had to stop driving. And so he was not able to drive to his church. So he started coming to church with her because she would drive him to church. And he would come early. Every Sunday morning, he, came, he got to church at 8.30 and was a part of our worship team. Um, as far as listening to the worship team. He listened. He was on the front row. And he listened for months and months and months. And he, then he, he would stay for church. He'd hear God's word preached. Some of the guys early on would ask, would you like to get together and study the Bible? And he was like, no, that's okay. But hearing God's word, hearing God, people singing, worshiping God. In November, Mike and another brother said, would you like to study? And he goes, I would. And it was so encouraging just to see the power of the Bible and the power of the body. And to be around people that are living out the Bible, trying to live out the Bible. And he was baptized into Christ in December. Amen. And it was so encouraging. And he still is one of the first to come to church. He, still, he is so giving. And just it really helped me to go, never give up. 
Never give up on people. You know, it's easy to 35 years and you think, oh, that's they're not gonna, they're not going to change. But you know what? God is so faithful and God is so powerful, and it's not about us; it's about God. And so that's just one story. And then we had another situation where you just God working. Um, we have a great woman in our church. Her name is Floor, and she was at Walmart one day, and she was just in there shopping. And someone came up to her, another woman, and her who's thirty. She said, "Are you Floor?" And she said, "Yes." She goes, "I remember you." 20 years ago, you invited my mom to come to church. And I came as a little girl, and I remember coming to your church. I remember people were excited to be there. I remember the Bible classes in the kids' kingdom. And um, she said, and Flora was like, Jennifer, I would have never known you. I mean, since she was 10, she's 30 now. And it was so encouraging that God determines the exact times and places. That God just happened to put Floor in Walmart and Jennifer in Walmart. And Jennifer recognized Floor and went up to her. And she started coming to church. And her husband started coming to church. And they had a one-year, one-and-a-half-year-old. They just had a new baby, too. All started coming. And they started. she and her husband started studying the Bible and it's so encouraging because her husband at that time, she and her husband were really having a hard time or even thinking about divorce. And we started studying the Bible. And again, what the Bible does, you know, I love to think about the Bible's like a love letter written from God to you. And just to see God's word, give them hope, help their marriage. Her husband was baptized and she was baptized. Amen. And it's so encouraging. Again, just... God determines the exact times and places. And I think for me, again, just don't give up and really know that God is working when we don't even realize it. You know, that when we plant seeds and we water, God makes it grow. And so I know God wants to continue to use and do things like that in our life all the time because he is amazing. So thank you so much. She's awesome. That's right. 25 years she stuck with me. How about that? Come on. But uh, there are so many great things. When you make Jesus your foundation, we had a family who were, they were, part of a, they were a different part of our church, of the Boston church. And uh, they say, came to me and they, they wanted to move into the metro region. They wanted to move into the metro region because they had teenagers. And, uh, and we've had a lot of... Uh, God's really blessed us. Our teens have become have been becoming Christians in the metro region and doing very, very well. And uh, they had uh, two teens at that point, and they had a daughter who was in college who had not become a Christian because they had based their entire exist, their family existence, in a sense, on sports because she was a very, very good basketball player, and sure enough, she got a Division II scholarship, and so she was off to school, but she'd never become a Christian. And uh, we, need, we need to change, and we need to, we need to help our two younger ones become disciples. And I said, that's fine, but if you're coming to the metro region, you need to decide to put Jesus first. You need to decide it's not going to be sports first, it's going to be kingdom first. It's going to be Jesus and his priorities, and then you can come on in. We can help your kids for sure, but, but it starts with you. And uh, so they said, yep, yep, that's what we're going to do. And sure enough, they came on in, and uh, it's their, their son, who's now a junior in high school, he became a Christian, and he's being recruited for a basketball scholarship. Their daughter is a freshman in high school. She's become a Christian. But it's all because they decided, I'm going to make sure that we're living a kingdom-first kind of life. Yeah. Uh, and Jesus has a foundation. It, it doesn't fade. Uh, I have a good friend of mine. When I, when I was studying the Bible, 
Uh, it was someone you know who knew what he was doing, you know, leading the studies. And then there was a young guy taking notes for me, right? And I take the notes home and study them and everything like that. And uh, and his name his name as it turns out was Kip, uh, but uh, but he was taking notes for me. And then I became a Christian. And uh, and about ten or twelve years ago, though, he left. He left the church. He he, he left altogether. And uh, and but he and I have stayed in touch every couple times, couple times a year. He and I'll talk. I'll give him a call. We'll have coffee. Maybe he'll come to a church service. Maybe he'll hear me preach. But uh, and but for the most part, he's just been hard-hearted with respect to God and the Bible and coming back to church. Uh, but uh, but finally, then uh, the third week of January this year, out of nowhere, I had not reached out to him for months. But out of nowhere, uh, he texted me and said, "What time is church tomorrow morning?" And I had a lot of different answers that went through my head at that sure. time, to be real honest with you. But, uh, but I, I texted him back, and, I got, and sure enough, he, so he came to church the next day. He's been coming ever since, and Kip is likely to be restored next Sunday, because he's been doing really, really well. The, um, and kids, one of the things that is uh, just on our hearts as parents is we want to see our kids become disciples. Right. It's such a big deal, and it's such a hit if it doesn't work out, you know, when they're, when they're bec- or in high school. But the, the story, the fact is that the story never ends. The story, it's a, we're in a new chapter. Kip, Kip left, but the story wasn't over for Kip. We just needed to keep staying in touch and see what happens, right? Well, one of the consistent prayers that we pray in the metro region is to see our adult children become disciples, uh, either get baptized or restored. And, uh, and last year, we saw three of our adult children. They, weren't, they don't live in the metro region anymore, but we saw three of our adult children uh, become Christians last year in the metro region because the story isn't over till it's over. We're in a new chapter. Might be a chapter we really wanted. Might be a chapter we wanted that was different. But uh, but, we, but the story isn't over until the story's over. Amen? Jesus is the foundation. Finally, we have Jesus has amazing promises. Jesus has amazing promises. Jesus promises freedom. Jesus promises blessing when we put His Word into practice. And uh, James chapter 1 is the passage I want to look at real briefly here. It says this. It says, uh, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. And I love this passage. One of the most, to me, the most fun and exciting and awesome things about being a Christian is knowing that I can change. Knowing that whoever I am today, when no matter how Spock-like I used to be and can still be, I can be very different from that if I just go for it. And God gives me that power and God's Word can help me to do that. I can be free. Free of kind of the parts of me that I don't want. Free of sin in my life. I can have freedom and the blessing uh, that comes from that. And I was that again in the fall, but I was talking with a scholar myself, or with a good friend of mine, Doug. Now, Doug uh, is a good friend of mine. He also leads the Boston Church as a whole, so he is my boss. Okay, and uh, and so we were having lunch, and, and we were having a very freewheeling conversation. We were talking a lot about what I think about this, and what I think about that, and what I think about you, and all these kinds of things. And it was a great talk because we're friends, but we were all going after it. And uh, and then they, they said, he said, as long as we're being blunt here. And I thought, oh, we, we probably... <laughs> Maybe it's time to go. And so he goes, as long as we're being blunt here, he said, you're not very nurturing, you get annoyed too easily, and it's unattractive when you do. 
And I looked at Scott thinking this was her time to speak up. <laughs> she was going to let that one go. Go for it, Doug. You know, so, and, uh, but, and then he went on to, the, to, to point out was one incident that happened at this one church service a month or two previous to that. And I thought to myself, is that all you got? Because <laughs> I mean, I know he had me dead to rights. It's totally true, without a doubt, it's true. Uh, it was true, but it, uh, but because I remember, I remember what he was talking about at that church service, and I remember about three minutes before that doing way worse than what he'd seen. Okay, the uh, so I know. I mean, it's totally true. And uh, but I did, and I shared it with the uh, the church uh, back at that point. I shared it with the church during a sermon about that. Shared that story, and uh, one of the girls, uh, Elizabeth, a girl, she's she's a woman with two teenage daughters now. But Elizabeth came up to me, and Elizabeth used to be in our campus ministry back before we had children. And Elizabeth came up to me, and she said, "Mike, I just want to know. I think you're way you've grown a lot. You're way more nurturing than you used to be." I said, "Elizabeth, that's 23 years ago." <laughs> Dumb luck I ought to be better than I was 23 years ago. You know, I mean, I know faint praise when I hear it, okay? That's what's going on right there. But, uh, but I knew, too, that Doug had really given me the key. All I needed was to know what to work on. All I needed to know, I didn't need to get discouraged because he figured out that I was messed up in this way. I know I messed up in this way. My wife apparently hadn't figured out that I was messed up in this way, that these things are true. And so I knew that by studying out God's Word, looking at the example of Jesus with that in mind, right? And studying out what Peter and others had to say about what elders are like and who, who is nurturing and who, who I, what I can become and what it's like to really be loving... That I could be, I could have an example before me, the power of God's word, praying and working on it. And of course, I told my whole church now I have 240 people helping me and holding me accountable about the whole thing. And I can really actually grow. And so when it, something gets pointed out to me that, hey, you need to be different in this way, it's actually a, the beginning of the fulfillment of a promise. A freedom and blessing that Jesus offers us. And you know, since that time, at this point, they actually have me in an elder training class in the Boston church, which is like, that's where all the nurturers go, for goodness sakes, you know? And so, uh, so apparently I've changed at least a little bit. But uh, I've, got, I've got a long way to go, but Jesus gives me the promise. Amen. And it can happen. Jesus is amazing. Jesus has amazing power. Jesus has amazing power. Just think about, He has changed your life if you're a Christian. He's ready to change your life if you're not. Jesus has amazing power, but but, uh, we need to make sure that we embrace His perspective. His perspective that, yes, we need a personal relationship with God, but no, not a private one. It's one that gets built in the context of community. He's got priorities, and His priority is that we make Him our priority. And Jesus has amazing promises. We can find freedom, and we can find blessing when we pursue His Word. Thanks very much. It's great to be with you guys today. Thanks very much.